When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, we are uh, halfway through September, and things have heated up in the sports world. The Toronto Blue Jays are making a playoff push, the NFL season in full swing, with the Buffalo Bills taking on the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football. Toronto FC season, well, it's ending, but there's still soccer to enjoy when TFC takes on Orlando this weekend. On this episode of Ray Sports Ran, I'm going to discuss the Blue Jays' upcoming series with the Baltimore Orioles after suffering an 11-0 loss to the Tampa Bay Rays Thursday afternoon. If the Toronto Blue Jays can walk away winning the series, I have no concern about the Blue Jays making the playoffs. This series is as much about the playoff positioning as it is about postseason security. We're also going to look at the Kansas City Chiefs defeating the Los Angeles Chargers on Thursday Night Football, improving to 2-0 on the season. Uh, Toronto FC won't be making the playoffs this season, but they have a game against Orlando Saturday night. The Buffalo Bills are really good, and that means the Buffalo is going to play a lot of primetime games, and uh, the Bills will be hoping for revenge when they face off against the Titans. You know, the NFL had the chance... To do the right thing. I believe that the NFL was going to be on the right side of history for the first time ever. Unfortunately, the NFL did what the NFL does. The impact that they've had on Toronto FC, it, it's undeniable. I understand that you have to defend your quarterback. I understand that you just can't come out and, you know, say, well, you know, we don't want this Sean anyways. I understand. I get it. I have to do this because I have to appreciate it. Yes, and we're back. Welcome to Ray Sports Rain. I'm Ray Rowden. I'm sitting in that sports director's chair for the Dean Blundell Network at DeanBlundell.com. Thanks to everybody who's tuning in and make sure that you hit that like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and never miss an episode of Ray Sports Rant. You can also find tons and tons of great sports content over at DeanBlundell.com. Make sure you throw me a follow on Twitter at DPN underscore Ray. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is Friday, so it's time to pack it in for the week and uh, get you set up for the weekend. I will be back with you on Monday. Let's take a look at the lineup for next week. On Monday, I'm going to be hosting Brad Simcox. He's the host of the Great British Chiefs Show. He's a big Kansas City Chiefs fan, and we're going to talk about how the Kansas City Chiefs, well, they aren't dead. On Tuesday, we're going to have Griff Bourgeois from the YWC Football Talk and the Dean Blundell Network. going to talk a little bit of Toronto Maple Leafs, a little bit of NHL. Wednesday, Mario from Hashtag Sports, the Dean Blundell Network, jumps on to talk about those Buffalo Bills. And then on Thursday, we'll have Kevin Gerard, the NFL Twitter analyst and blogger, coming on here to talk about the AFC East. And then, of course, on Friday, I'll be packing it in all by my lonesome, getting you ready for the weekend. Thanks to everybody who's uh, tuning in today. I appreciate y'all. What a time to be alive. What a time to be a sports fan. There's a big lull between July and August, and September just comes in heavy at the NHL. Preseason starting soon. Basketball starts in just over a, under a month. I mean, we got some good times. So let's get started here because 
time. Sometimes I wish that I could just do the whole show with the music blaring in my earphones like this because the music just gets me hyped up and I hope it gets you hyped up whether you're listening to this on Friday night, whether you listen to this during the weekend, whenever you're you're getting around to uh, race sports, man. I hope that you guys are okay. All right. So Chiefs and Chargers. Good Thursday night game. Chiefs end up winning the game 24 or 27 to 24. And it was a really interesting game. So I think the Chargers came up to like a 10-0 lead or something like that. And they looked fluid. Uh, things did not look as good for the Chiefs as they did on last Sunday when they just absolutely beat up on the Arizona Cardinals. But, I mean, Patrick Mahomes had some great plays. I think my takeaway from that game was uh, a big shout-out to Justin Herbert, who absolutely just gutted it out at the end with those broken ribs and really tried to really tried to get his team back into it. And, you know, the stats show that the game was pretty evenly played. And, I mean, the Chargers actually outplayed the Chiefs in a lot of different areas. Chiefs outplayed them. It was really one of those games. Uh, first downs, 21 to 15 in favor for the Chargers. Uh, five of 16 on third down. So third down efficiency, not great for the Chargers. The Chiefs only four of 12. But I'll tell you what one. I mean, Brandon Staley and those Chargers are very aggressive, going four for four on fourth downs. And really, I mean, it was an interception. And it was a pick six, a 99-yard pick six by the Chiefs that really dictated how this game kind of ended up. Uh, the Chargers really couldn't get anything going in the rushing game, only 75 total yards, but they had 326 passing yards, 401 total yards. The Chiefs only managing 319, but, I mean, you don't win in the stat column. You win on the scoreboard. So I'm sure that the Chiefs are – I th they're probably okay with – with, with the yards going in favor of the Chargers. I mean, I think the big thing, though, one interception to Justin Herbert, no interceptions to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, no team fumbled. And, I mean, the Chargers possessed the ball for a long time. So let's look at some of the top performers of that game. We'll start with the Chargers. Justin Herbert throws the ball 48 times, goes 30, 33 for 48, 334 yards. He had three passing touchdowns, one interception. He was sacked twice, ends up with a, a 100.5 quarterback rating. So a, a solid game. Uh, Austin Eckler ran the ball 14 times for 39 yards, only averaging 2.8 yards per carry. Uh, I mean, he did he did come back in the past game. He had six catches for 71 yards, but he had no touchdowns on the day. And I think that when you're looking at a team like the Chargers and you have a running back like Eckler, like he doesn't have to run the ball 30 times, 14, 15, you know, in order between 15 to 20 carries, I think is is a reasonable snap count from the running back position and actually carrying the ball for Eckler, but you got to average more than 2.8 yards per carry. You just have to. And especially when you're missing Keenan Allen, who's your best receiver. Mike Williams did step up, though, for the Chargers in that game. Ended up with eight catches, a touchdown, 113 yards. He had a good game. Defensively, I mean... Darwin James, Darwin James probably had the best game. He had eight tackles or uh, six tackles on his own, three assisted, so he had nine total. Uh, J.C. Jackson was six tackles, but I saw J.C. Jackson get burnt on a play, and I'm a little bit bitter towards J.C. Jackson for leaving the Patriots. Everybody knows that, so this is what it is. Patty Mahomes goes 24 for 35, 235 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, just a typical Patrick Mahomes day, a 106.3 rating, so I'm sure PFF's probably going to give him like a 69 grade for that game i uh, had a beautiful sidearm pass and just really you know 
He just did Patrick Mahomes things. Now, on the other side of the ball, Edward Hilaire only runs the ball eight times for 74 yards, averaging 9.3 yards per carry. I mean, that that's a have yourself a game. You're what 25 yards short of 100 yards, only carried the ball eight times. And then yet again, like nobody in, in the passing game really stood out. Travis Kelsey had five for 51. Uh, Watson had two for 50. Uh, McCall Hardman, three for 49. Edwards Hilaire, four for 44. Uh, Valdez Scantling, two for 13. Gray, two for 12. Smith Schuster, three for 10. McKinnon, two for four. Burton, one for two. You're really seeing the Kansas City Chiefs spread the ball around. Uh, Patrick Mahomes really just making sure everybody gets a touch. And, I, you know, I mean, I'm going to say good for him because there was a lot of talk about how they were going to manage without Tyree Kill, and he's done just fine. But I think right now what we got to do is we got to get into the Toronto Blue Jays in this massive series they got coming up against the Baltimore Orioles. And <clears throat> before we get into that game, let's, uh, let's talk about the Toronto Blue Jays' loss to the Tampa Bay Rays on Thursday night. And I think the first thing I want to do is just say that we knew going into that, that series against the Rays, five games, it was a massive, massive undertaking. The Blue Jays had to win. They ended up taking three of five. That's exactly what you wanted out of the team. So you kind of got to excuse a bad stinker every once in a while in an 11, nothing game. Let the, let the hitters off the, the hook a little bit. I think for me, the craziest part of watching that game was Kevin Gosman. He got beat up, I think, in the second inning. He let up like four runs. And then he and then he, he pitched to the seventh seventh inning. And as you come down the stretch and you're trying to protect your bullpen in a game when your hitting's not working and that type of thing, I was kind of happy for him. Like I was like, this is what the Blue Jays pitching needs. Seven full innings. Still gave up five runs. So I know it sounds crazy when I'm like, hey, man, shout out to Kevin Gosman, who just take, took his 10th loss of the season. He's got a 345 ERA. Let's up five runs. Put the Blue Jays in a hole kind of early. But I'm going to tell you what the issue is here. Now, you could say the issue is Trevor Richards, who came in and pitched like a third of an inning and gave up five runs. But I've been talking about this forever. This Toronto Blue Jays team will go as far as the big boys bring them. And I said, if they were ever going to, if we were ever going to have any sort of crazy aspirations like the Blue Jays going to the World Series, it had to be on the back of George Springer. Springer went 0 for 4. Vladdy goes 1 for 4. Chapman goes 1 for 4. Hernandez, 0 for 4. Biggio, 0 for 2. I'm just, you're not getting that production you need at those times. Shout out to Bo Bichette, another two-run day. I mean, that kid's just on fire right now. Really the only bright spot of a pretty poor game. Now, I'm going to talk about, so we're going to talk about just how massive this series is against the Blue Jays. As I record this episode of the podcast, they're down 2-1 in the top of the fourth. But let's take a look at the standings here. I'm just going to pull them up because this kind of tells it all. For, forget the division. The Blue Jays are in second, but they're six and a half games behind the Yankees. Maybe we're having a discussion about them winning the AL East, but you know what? I don't even want to talk about pipe dreams at the moment. I don't want to talk about the big what-ifs. Let's talk about what's in front of us. 
The Jays have the first wild card spot. We'll put them up against the Cleveland Guardians, which I don't mind that matchup for the Jays. You got Seattle right behind them. You got the Tampa Bay Rays right behind them. And then Baltimore, who's fighting for a wild card spot. So I'm sitting here today, going up and down the schedule, looking at the 81 and 63 Blue Jays facing the 75 and 67 Orioles. You still got the the White Sox right behind them. They're only a game back behind Baltimore. And of course, the Mariners and and, and um, the Mariners and the Tampa Bay Rays right behind the Blue Jays. Like at this point, I'm pretty confident that Toronto is going to make the playoffs. But I don't think that we can completely discount how important this series is going to be against Baltimore. I mean, being down right now in this game is obviously not ideal. And I want to flick the game on as soon as I'm done the podcast because... Again, I'm going to be watching this one pins and needles. But I think if they win this series, I'm pretty much okay with, or I'm pretty much confident the Blue Jays are going to are going to be fine. They're going to go to the postseason. Now, the Blue Jays are the much better hitting team. Like, statistically in almost every category, outside of stolen bases. The Blue Jays' 261 average is second in Major League Baseball, going up against the 21st worst in Baltimore. They're fourth in on-base percentage with 326, Baltimore 25th. Slugging percentage are fifth, Baltimore 16th. Fourth in OPS to Baltimore's 21st. They got 172 home runs are ninth. Baltimore's in 16th. And again, Baltimore has is in 10th with 86 stolen bases. The Blue Jays are in 21st with 61. That's the only offensive category that Baltimore is better. My concern is this. You got the 13th best or worst pitching staff in Baltimore going up against the 14th best or worst pitching staff in baseball in the Toronto Blue Jays. And that's really what's going to make this series. It's going to come down to whether or not the Blue Jays pitching can be better than Baltimore's pitching. We know that. That's what it's all going to come down to. We got a better, Blue Jays got a better whip, better strikes. The Blue Jays have given up 167 home runs this year. That's 25th in Major League Baseball. Now, again, Baltimore's middle of the pack in hitting home runs, 16th, 149 on the year. But it's concerning. Especially with the Blue Jays offense kind of being hot and cold. Like outside of Bo Bichette, it's very streaky across the board. And I'm going to put it on the table right now. Matt Chapman, George Springer, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Those three need to play out of their minds this weekend. They need to step up for this Blue Jays team. And they need to do what they're supposed to do. And that's be the leaders, be the offensive leaders, be the guys who are leading this team. 
Springer can't afford to go 0 for 4 this weekend in any of these games. Chapman can't afford to go 1 and 4. Vladdy can't just go 1 and 4 in the first inning and not get another hit. We need more than that. Bo Bichette cannot single-handedly carry this team. Massive, massive series. A game that's not massive is the sixth place FC Orlando, Orlando FC, going up against the 13th place Toronto FC. It was just three weeks ago that we were talking about the possibility of Toronto FC going to the playoffs. They're in 13th place now. There is no way that they're going to catch up to any of these teams. I'm not entirely sure if they're mathematically eliminated, but they're eliminated enough. They went on this whole streak. I think they went like five straight games without a loss. And then they've lost three of their last five, won one of their last five. It's just not good enough. And they're big underdogs in this game. Now they're playing another team who doesn't shoot a lot in Orlando. They're, Orlando only averages 8.9 shots per game. Toronto averages 8.5. So I'm not expecting a big scoring game. Uh, I'm trying to find what the over-under is. I don't see it. The draw is plus 270. I, I'm not taking a draw. I'm taking I'm taking TFC to lose to lose this game. Toronto FC scores more goals. They average 1.6 a game to the 1.2 of Orlando. Orlando's a playoff team, though. And they're actually a pretty evenly balanced team. Like the more and more I look at it, like they're they're a pretty balanced team. But I just don't see it. I don't know if Lorenzo Insignia is going to play. I don't know if Azario is going to play. Who said he's dealing with a, a neurological issue? It, it, it'll, you know. But I think when it comes to Toronto FC, what we got to remember is we're on to next season at this point. And I've kind of told everybody that I have a lot of faith in this Toronto team to be successful next season. And I think that if they have a good offseason, they actually secure some some valuable goaltending. I think that if they're able to if they're able to complement the stars of the team, build out the bench and get some depth coming off. I mean, we're talking about MLS Cups next year. And I don't think what I'm talking about is actually an overly hard thing to do. Because you have the foundation. Toronto FC has money. If Azorio does walk, They've got another designated player spot. So they could fill it with somebody else. Now, I have been listening to some TFC experts who are saying things like, you know, it's all fine and good, but they can't keep going to Europe to try to build their team. And I don't necessarily disagree with that either. There needs to be some homegrown talent, at least at the MLS level. Cheap contracts, guys who can perform, 
guys who will come through in the clutch, all that type of stuff. But honestly, I, I'm not even at this point, I'm not even concerned. I think that TFC just has to go out, try, entertain the crowd. I'm thinking about buying tickets, going down to the game on the 30th. I think against Enter Miami. Just to enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy the game. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I believe at Toronto FC fans are the best fucking fans in Toronto sports. And I will, I will, I will die on that hill. Like I will argue with anybody who tries to tell me that they're not. Because they really are. We need to just enjoy it. That's all we need to do. We just need to enjoy it. And know that we're looking for next season. Now, if we're having this conversation at this time next year, where they're not in the playoffs, then we're going to have to take a hard, hard look at this TFC team. I don't know. I kept saying if, if you know, Insignia and Bernadeschi would have got there earlier that this team would have been in a playoff spot right now. But over the last few games, I don't know. We've seen some terrible goaltending. We've seen some terrible defensive mistakes. We've seen a weak midfield. The losses against Montreal... And then the loss last week to Atlanta, I think, showed me that perhaps there was bigger gaps than I wanted to acknowledge on this TFC team. So, there's that. <laughs> All right, let's 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 wrap this up, shall we? Let's talk about the Monday Night Football matchup. You got the Buffalo Bills taking on the Tennessee Titans. Buffalo beats. The LA Rams, Thursday night football last week, kicks off the NFL season. They beat them 31 to 10. I think what shocked me the most in that game was how putrid the LA Rams looked. I fully expected Buffalo to win that game. I didn't expect the Rams to look that bad. But there was a couple of big statistics that, that stuck out in my mind. Buffalo went nine for 10. On third down, nine for 10, 90% of their third downs, they converted. They had 121 rushing yards, 292 passing yards, 413 total. Seven sacks, two interceptions thrown, two fumbles. Mario doesn't seem to be worried about the turnovers he thinks that that was just a product of that game and that'll get cleaned up and he believes that say la vie they'll be fine i don't necessarily agree with him because i said if you're playing a team like kansas city kansas city's probably putting 28 points up on you now in fairness matthew stafford threw three interceptions they also had a fumble there wasn't a lost fumble so Buffalo could have turned around and put 21 up on those and whatever. It almost kind of balances itself. But I, I didn't like it. And I think Buffalo needs to clean that up. Besides that, I mean, I talked about it this week. I'm like, are they even beatable? Because even when they give up four turnovers, they're still dominating a team. And then you got the Tennessee Titans. AFC champions last year. 
or won the AFC. They they didn't win the AFC championship, but had the best record in the AFC, I should say. They lost 21 to 10 to the New York Giants last week. 21 to 10. Daniel Jones went 17 for 21 and 188 yards and still threw an interception. Matt Ryan went 20 for 33, a couple of touchdowns. Saquon Barkley outperformed Derrick Henry. Barkley goes 18 carries for 164, averaged 9.1 yards per carry with a touchdown. Henry has 21 carries for 82 yards, averaging 3.9 yards per carry. I didn't even realize that Saquon Barkley played that great. He averaged 9.1 yards per carry. Do you understand the insanity behind that? Here's the brutal part. Tennessee goes 3 for 11 on third downs. 3 for 11. 93 total rushing yards on what should be the best rushing team in the NFL. Lost a fumble. Only at 31 minutes possession. I think if you're a Tennessee Titans team, you're looking for 34, 35, especially against the Giants. Now, maybe I'm thinking of the old lovable losers. Maybe they're a better team, but I don't think they're... I don't think so. Right? No. Hmm? Maybe? No. No, 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 no. Let's not go crazy. So based on one week of play, and again, all these stats are always skewed when you start the season because there's very, very little sample size. But the Bills are seventh in total offense. Titans are 19th. Bills are eighth in passing yards. Titans are 10th. Here's the shocking one. The Bills are 13th in rushing yards. Tennessee's 19th with Derrick Henry on the field. And the third down, 90%. Nine for 10, the Buffalo Bills go, compared to 27.3%. That's 26th. Buffalo Bills are 8th in total yards on defense, 7th in total passing, 1st in rushing yards defensively. Points, they're 5th, only giving up 10. And they're the 23rd best third down efficiency defense. On the other hand, outside of the passing yards where they're ranked fourth in the NFL, 27-32, 16th. That's what rounds up this Tennessee Titans defense. The Bills are nine and a half point favorite. Mario and I talked about how these guys can play tighter games. The Buffalo Bills are looking for revenge. Kevin this week said a really good point. He said, hey, he said, listen. He said, the Titans beat teams they're not supposed to and lose to teams they're supposed to beat. And Tennessee's been one of those teams that have been like a bit of a thorn in the side for Buffalo. I've been seeing the Buffalo Bill fans on Twitter all week. Like, it's a revenge game. I'm like, he has, never, he has never played in the playoffs. How the hell is this? A I guess just regular season losses. And that's, again, I'm sorry, Bill's Mafia. You need to learn how to win. Nobody cares about regular master at work, uh, buff or uh, new England Patriots content creator, my boy. 
you know, back when Brady was on the team, that kind of thing, and the Patriots lose a game, he'd be like, who cares about a meaningless regular season game? It's all about the postseason. The, 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 the season starts in January. So Bills fans, I'll be looking for revenge from a regular season loss. But I, I like the Bills in this game. I don't know if they're going to cover nine and a half. I don't know that for sure. But I like them winning the game straight up. 7-15 on Monday night for Monday night football. Buffalo Bills are going to get a lot of primetime games. I hope you like to stay up late, Bills Mafia. All right, that's all she wrote for today's show. Make sure that you check it out on YouTube Monday through Friday and on Twitter on the Dean Blundell Network Twitter account at Dean Blundell Net. Follow me on Twitter at DPN underscore Ray. Hit that like button, subscribe, all of that fun stuff. Come on, Toronto sports fans, get behind me. If you don't have time to watch the show, uh, get the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and at DeanBlundell.com. Looking at my analytics of the podcast, I appreciate all of y'all because uh, – I'm telling you, from a unique viewer standpoint, way higher than I ever have with Dear Pats Nation. Uh, if you have any questions, send it to me on Twitter. I'll try to answer it. And uh, that's really all I have to say. Thanks for tuning in to Ray Sports Rant. I'll see you Monday. And never forget, you're all legit, kid. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth.